Good morning, our Live a Life by Design listeners. Hey, this is Jimmy Williams with your co-host here and the star of our show, Lori Few. Hey, good morning, Lori. Good morning. And, and you know, I'm, I'm not the star. I'm like oh. the understudy. Let's go there. But when you negotiated your contract with us for an extension, you wanted a star on your bathroom door. I never understood what that was for because this is an audio-only show. But remember, I am all about gold star stickers. Those are the things that motivate me. We've talked about this. You know we did. And she also wanted endless cups of Java. So we have to have Java, which is a fancy way in contract terms folks say coffee at her choice. But anyway. Uh, Hey, good morning, everyone. What a beautiful day here in the greatest state of the union. Oklahoma is shining brightly. That sun's finally coming out from all those clouds. Lori, we can finally go outside without a raincoat or an umbrella. But you can't go outside without a Zyrtec or a Claritin. That's correct, too. It is that time of year. (laughs) If you're not sneezing, you're not living in Oklahoma, apparently. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. But yes, oh, no, sunshine is plentiful, and we are so excited about that. Got to tell you, I'm a big baseball fan here. You know that. I love baseball. So I went to go see the Oklahoma City Dodgers play the other night, and uh, it was bark in the park night. So we got to take the puppy. Oh, he had a great time. He got so overstimulated. He had dogs everywhere trying to make new friends. You know, it's just like a sleepover of 150 dogs. But anyway, and so um, he got to be on the big screen TV. Nice. Celebrity status. Yep. Yeah. You ought to see him strut right after that. All 15 pounds, man. He was like not even touching the ground. But (laughs) (laughs) his name's Casper, and he was the star. He was in a challenge with what seemed to be a horse, but it turned out to be just a very large dog uh, against him. He was 15 pounds, and the horse, excuse me, dog was probably about 105. And they they were seeing who could eat the most pepperoni treats in the 30 seconds. And and Casper did a great job. He hit, I think, six or seven of them and did a good job. You know the little treats, and and I think um, I think Trigger the horse uh, ate like twenty. Uh, so anyway, <laughs> oh yeah, my goodness, it's quite a mismatch. But he didn't know any better, and he, he you ought to see him strut back to our seats. Oh, it was just un- unreal, unreal. <laughs> but hey, one thing he did is he took on his greatest fear, which is another dog that could probably eat him as an appetizer, because you know he's not real big, and the other dog was humongous. But I want to talk today and share with with our listeners, Lori and I have got some help for you today. And the help is going to come from the standpoint of our real life examples. We have battled the challenges we may have overcome, but there's a lot of fear in the world right now. Uh, are they going to get the debt ceiling raised? Uh, you know, are we going to get anything done in the wars overseas? Are we going to get inflation under check? Is the stock market going to be relaxed and get back to normal processes in the cycle? All of these things, Lori, are simply unnecessary fear. But why is that, Jimmy? Like, why do you think fear is is like such a strong human emotion over all the other emotions? Why is it that we let fear be the one that's at the top of the list? Because our brains have two real functions in our body's response. Think about this. As cavemen, we had either to eat what we were chasing or be eaten by what was chasing us. So you have this, you've heard it, fight or flight, the psychologists call it. Your body either sends those endorphins through you and you get ready to take on whatever you're facing or you get ready to load those endorphins up and run the other direction. And I think this is something now that we as people let control far too much of our thinking. We let this emotion of fear control a lot of things in our life. And 
especially when it comes to money. So think about this, Lori. People see, hey, when we made 12, 14% one year, oh, this is great and I love it. And they don't even want to come into their meetings. They want to talk to you because why? They're very, very satiated on whatever they're making in the stock market or wherever their money's invested. And they don't think they need to talk to anyone. Then happens the 2022s of the year. From March 17th to the end of October, the whole world falls apart. The S&P drops like 28% in one period of time. And now everybody's wanting to come in and talk. It's the fear of losing. As a matter of fact, let me ask you this. If I said to you, here's a $100 bill, Lori. And I said to you, if you take that $100 bill, I want you to bet it. And you have a chance of doubling your money or losing all of it in the roll of one die. Now you got the numbers one through six on the die. I gave you the hundred dollars. It didn't come out of your pocket. So it came out of mine. And I ask you to roll the dice and you get a six. We double your money. You get a one, you lose your money. Would you I'm do out. it? I'm taking, I know I wouldn't do it. I'm, I'm not a risk taker. If the <laughs> odds are not in my favor, I'm not going to do it. I would just say, nope, not going to do it. Thank so you. Take my $100 people, and leave. A lot of people make that decision. Now, what if I told you, though, of that same die, you had five chances out of six of at least doubling your money and only one chance of losing it all, plus costing you a personal $100 bill. So here are the odds. You got five chances from two through six to double your money on the dice. If you roll a one, an ace, that means you don't only lose the hundred I gave you, but you have to dig down in your purse and give me another hundred. Would you nope. do it? Nope. Wouldn't do it. <laughs> Still wouldn't do it. So folks, this is what I'm talking about. So the fear of losing is much greater, even when the odds and probabilities are higher than the excitement of winning. And that's what we're talking about today. So this fear, we want you to start running to your fear. Now, Lori, that's a crazy thing to do, but do you see people that go into homes where there's fires and they know there's children in there somewhere? They have no regards for their own safety. They run into that house. It's on fire. Sometimes these heroes or heroines come out and they don't even realize they've been burnt until they get what? Some of the medics or the firemen go, hey, you know, yeah. you've got some bad burns here. And all they're concerned about is that little person that they saved. Why do you think that is? I don't know, but I am so grateful for those people because when you were talking about fight or flight earlier, I'm thinking I'm flight, I'm flight, I'm flight, I'm flight. There's no way I'm fighting. There, I, I, you know, my grandmother used to have this saying that she would say, "Oh, you know, so and so couldn't fight their way out of a paper bag with a hole in it." So, <laughs> I heard I mean, a wet I, paper bag when I was a kid. A wet, people okay, maybe it was a wet, a wet paper, paper bag, yeah, yeah or yeah, wet paper bag or something to that nature. But either way. <laughs> Um, you know, uh, no, absolutely. 100,000%. We are so grateful for first responders. Um, I've, I've seen it myself. I've seen first responders run into the face of fear. Um, the same thing with our nurses, um, especially during the pandemic. I mean, every day going to work, not knowing and not hesitating, no sense of flight. It was all fight. And what an incredible testament to humanity. Thank goodness we have those people. The same thing for our military, our military men and women who go every single day and have no idea what the battle may be for that day, but they don't care. They're willing to take that risk and and to do those things. And you talk about overcoming fear. You're right. They don't even see it that way. They just see it as this is what they are meant to do in life. And what a powerful statement. 
thank goodness we have those people. And, and I hope that, you know, those people continue to be examples for the younger generations of people that step up and say, I want to do that too. That looks like the coolest thing in the world to do. I think I'm, you know, skilled, or I think I might have, uh, you know, a calling to do those things and, and let's go for it. But why do you think, Jimmy, that people give so much credibility to fear when they know deep down they can overcome it? Have you ever been in a crowd of people that uh, are chanting something like jump, 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 and you're two stories up above, but they got a trampoline down below and they're swimming pool to the other side of it. And and I'm not even giving any credibility to the fact that they may have been drinking. Let's just assume that this crowd's telling <laughs> yeah, you to jump, right? So there's a lot of crowd function, if you will, in our lives. And so when you get around people that um, basically are telling you, no, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that. As a matter of fact, that happens a lot, not just in our personal life, but also in our financial life, right? So people that have no idea about the fundamentals or the economics of our world, or they don't even understand the basics of investing, will tell people what they did and say, that's the best thing for you, even though it may or may not be, because they like for you to be in the same position as they. No one wants to be the one that's not elevated above the other. So people will, for lack of a better term, and you don't need friends like this, but some people do not want to see you grow in your life because that would leave them behind. And so this credibility comes from the fact that they don't want to be isolated as the only one standing on that big pedestal that they fought through and made it through. And now they're a bigger, better, bolder person than they were just yesterday. And those people that were friends yesterday may not be quite the friends you need tomorrow. Does that sound Isn't harsh? It, it, it's, well, no, I mean, it's not, probably harsh is not a great word to describe that, but truthful. I mean, that that's a very, you know, we talk about it a lot. Sometimes people say things to us that we don't want to hear, but we need to hear. And, and I think your assessment of that is absolutely true. I think in different phases of your life, you're going to be, you know, we call them fair weather friends. They're the people that, yeah, they show up when things are good and they might hang around when things get a little tough, but they're not your go-to people. They're not your people that are going to lift you up to that higher elevation and be, you know, right there with you. They're the people that are going to kind of say, oh, why would you want to do that? That doesn't, you know. Um, because you're right. They want you to stay on that same level because then there's no competition. There's no fear of missing out. And then, you know, there's no credibility of one person being better than the other. But I don't I don't want to go politics on you, but I got to tell you a funny story. So there was a certain politician that one of my friends just said he just could not stand this person. And I, uh -oh. I'm sitting there listening to him and, and it was a, a female leader. And I'm just sitting there listening to this person and I'm listening. And I said, oh, OK. I said, uh can I ask you what research you've done? Because those don't sound factual. What terms you've listed as the reasons why you don't like this person. <laughs> and I said, to be very frank with you, I don't think it's the person you dislike. I just think it's their statements or outcomes because you don't know this person. I'm pretty certain you don't know this person. This person was pretty highly elevated uh, in our world. And, and finally I'm sitting there visiting with him and he goes, well, what do you mean? And I said, well, at the end of the day, where'd you learn all this? Well, my friend said, and so what I'm trying to say to you, Lori, is that we often take uh, incredulous information mm. and try to make it credible. Now, it's True. hearsay and innuendo, and it's some of it's just downright false. And we take that and we run with that. So that's that group think. You know, I want to show that I'm with that group, and so I'm going to go and denounce and 
and just be you know, horrible about this person's reputation when I have no idea who they are. Now, I have no problem attacking someone's policies if I think they in some way counter my thoughts, beliefs for this country, what's best. But I never attack the person because I don't know them. You know what I mean? That's the kind of how mm-hmm. I look at this. And in this instance, what I did when after just take a few minutes of conversation, this person said, well, you know, you're right. Uh, I'm sitting here talking about something I guess I have no clue about. And I said, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying gather your own facts. Don't allow others to give you facts that you can't vet to be truthful. And a lot of times that's where fear comes from. People embed those unknowns in your mind when if you were to study it and you go, well, good grief, it's just dark out in the woods. How do I know there's any monsters out there? There's no monsters. Just walk out in the woods. You will find 99% of the time, unless you, and I'm an old Boy Scout, here it goes, If you go out in the woods and you step on sticks and make noises and all that, I assure you 99% of the time, those animals are running from you out of fear of mankind, not to you as if you're a meal, because there's only a few bears, maybe some mountain lions, things of that nature. But I promise you, they don't want to see and be surprised by you. So the more noise you make, that's what I tell people. If you're walking through the woods, make noise. Nope. Nothing's going to bother you. You may step on a snake, but that's that 1% I was talking about. Otherwise, they're not, as a matter of fact, snakes want to get away from you. They don't really want to be bothered either. So <sighs> that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> the slithery things and I don't get along at all. Uh, I I am not a Boy Scout. I, I, I have boy, I do have a Boy Scout in my house. I do have an assistant troop leader, my husband. And, you know, they're very much into all the camping and all the things that you I can absolutely validate what you just said, because that is what they teach from very you know early on is that the animals are afraid of you and be loud and be big and they're going to be running in the opposite direction. Well, I don't do the great outdoors very <laughs> often. I, I have gone. Um, but I was told this was during a time of year where the weather was changing and the snakes were trying to find places to kind of hide, I don't know, hibernation or whatever. And we were out and about on a camping excursion and I was picking up twigs, you know, just, I don't know, I was picking up twigs and I just happened to pick up this piece of bark from a tree and this giant, I mean, in my mind, it was probably a hundred feet long. It had fangs (laughs) three inches, you know, wide. It was a a red snake like its skin was red and it was black and I was convinced that it was just this horrible scary thing and I was terrified and I went to scream I never touched it I probably gave the poor thing a heart attack and then I you know valuable lesson leave things alone in their own environment because you're not supposed to come and interact with them (laughs) And, And, and Lori I hate to tell you but as human you're in their turf. They didn't come I to know. your place and disturb yeah. your your habitat. Yeah. You came no. to theirs, right? <laughs> no. So I don't pick up any bark or any twigs or anything in the wilderness anymore but, because I don't I don't want to know what's there. But why are you, if I may dive a little deeper here, why are you afraid of those things like that? Little slimy well, things th- or long things. I think or... it's just the fear of of un- the unknown. I think in science class when we're taught about in you know zoology when we're taught about the venomous snakes and the non-venomous, if you'll notice, no one ever remembered. Well, I shouldn't say no one. That's very presumptuous of me. However, no one typically doesn't remember the snakes that are non-venomous. You just remember the ones that are venomous because those are the ones that you have to avoid. So you're afraid of them because of all the things that you've seen or you've heard or the, you know, wives tales about, 
you know, someone gets bit by a snake and then someone else has to try to like suck the venom out to get it out before they <laughs> we, get to the we hospital. Don't, we don't do that anymore. You don't suck the venom Okay. Out. Well, I mean, these are the horror stories that you're told when you're a young person and you think that's why I'm still scared of snakes because, I mean, clearly if I get bit, Who's going to help me? You know, I got to tell you, Lori, if you get bit by a snake, I, uh, you know, I love you, but I'm not, not, you know, I'm not sucking anything out of anybody. I, well, right? That's no I blood, mean, no venom. No, I'm not. That's just not me. No, I, well, <laughs> thanks. Now I know and I'm not ever going hiking with Jimmy or camping because he's not going to help I'll me. I'll put a tourniquet on you. We'll get you straight to the infirmary or the nearest hospital. Some anti-venom. Yes, yeah. we'll be no. all right. <laughs> no, it's it's so funny what you laugh about and talk about. But this buddy of mine, he is that kind of person. He is so scared of everything. And it's because of the unknown. Do you realize in the state of Oklahoma where we live, folks, and you, some of you live in 57 other countries, I get it. But in our country, in the state of Oklahoma, we only have literally four poisonous breed snakes that we're aware of. Four. Now, we've got probably literally hundreds of different snakes. Four. But I have a sister that will run over any one of them on the road without any identification. <laughs> if it's in her yard, hold the head off of the thing with a sharp hoe. <laughs> no. And I'm like, you know, do you realize they eat the snakes, uh, the other snakes or the rats or the right. bugs that get in your And I said, there's a reason God put them on the planet. And that doesn't mean for you to kill all of them. And then she goes, Garden of Eden. He said, snakes are on their belly. That was Satan. That's bad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, okay, there's no win in this argument. Okay. Well, but speaking of that, um, talking about, you know, the good book and, and the story of, of the Garden of Eden. Don't you think that sometimes one of the biggest stories of overcoming fear that we can talk about is the story of David and Goliath? Oh, man. And let's unpack that just for a minute, Lord, because okay. that is a very big story when it comes to facing fear and taking control of what you can to overcome the hurdles and obstacles in life. Because that's really all David did. A boy, by the way, by its mm -hmm. definition in the verses, he was not yet a man, very small. What what were some of the things that he did, though, to prepare for that when he said, I've just got to go over and take this guy out? What what he do? I mean, can you imagine mentally? I mean, his confidence was on top of the top of the mountain, though, man. Yeah, it just the whole idea by all intents and purposes, he had absolutely no business trying to take this on. But again, it goes back to that whole conversation we were having earlier. There are some people that are just built that instead of flight, it's fight. And keep in mind what he did. They tried to put the king's armor on him. The king was afraid of this guy. This was a giant of a man laughing at them on the other side, making fun of these, the Israelites, making fun of these people. And he's calling them out and calling them dogs and everything. Send over any warrior you have. I'll do battle with them. And so they put the armor on. David and he couldn't even walk, couldn't move. He's just so heavy. He was such a young boy. So he just goes to a running brook and he gets three small stones and puts them in his little leather pouch. So as a shepherd boy, he had this leather pouch, probably in a sling that to get rid of uh, maybe those things, wolves or anything, coyotes after his sheep. And uh, they look at him, they go, What are you going to do? You know, literally, I'm paraphrasing, What are you going to do with that? Three stones and a sling. And keep in mind, no armor, no sword, nothing to do battle offensively except for that sling and those stones. But he had something within him that he did not need without him to conquer this big fear. Every man behind him was screaming and, and shaking in their sandals. I didn't know if they had boots back then, but shaking in their sandals. 
And David sees <laughs> the Philistine that was supposedly, you know, eight, nine feet tall of their humongous man. And uh, he tells the king, he said, uh, I'll bring back his head. And they're all like, oh, boy, this kid's going to be dead before he gets no over way. the valley. Yeah. What does he do, though, in the face of this kind of catastrophic event that may occur? He does something phenomenal. He literally looks at this fear he has over on the hillside and takes off running to it, not from it. So this entire Israel Israelite army was stunned, sitting there, and they couldn't figure out how what to beat this guy. And this kid comes up and runs to the giant. And as he's running, he is putting a rock in this sling, and he is getting centrifugal force up, swinging this sling above his head. And then as he's running, the sling is swinging and the stone's in it, and he launches, and it actually embeds the stone in the forehead of this giant of a man, immediately killing him. Now that's pretty wild, Lord. It's wild. I mean, and here I am thinking about all the the daily struggles of of life in terms of fear, fear of wanting to be a good human being, fear of wanting to be the best employee and teammate, you know, teammate, team member. Um, the fear of not, you know, the fear of just not being able to function, whether it's spiritually, emotionally, financially. I mean, these are all things that can be crippling if if you really just sit and think about it. And so mindset, again, is something that is a constant daily occurrence that you have to talk positively to yourself and surround yourself with those people. Otherwise, you will get into your own head and have nothing but fear to look forward to. And that's just not a good way to live. No, but look one last step that David took. When he had knocked this giant down, of course, the Philistines go running. Because well, let's look at this providentially. I'm going to get a little bit deep here, probably theologically. But they realized, the Philistines, that God was on the side of the Israelites when a young boy with a sling can take out their best champion, right? And what does David do? He reaches down, takes the sword of the giant that he had in front of him, and takes the head off the giant, raising it above in his hand toward the Israelites. Now the cheering starts, right? They, this is their mm -hmm. new champion, which is David. And the point I'm bringing about all that is, is David showed that if in doubt, quit stewing about it and start doing something about it, your fears will seem smaller. More doing, less doing. Yeah. But what do we do? We <laughs> sit and think. We sit and think. Yes. We sit and think. Instead, get off our tails, get up and run to whatever that fear is. So I got to tell you, one of my fears when I was a young guy is I just really didn't think I could cross this one gorge that we had at, at scout camp. So it was like Robert's Cave area down here. We were at scout camp, and there was this log across this thing. And I was always taller than most of the guys. I grew taller than they did when I was in grade school. I was a little heavier because I grew uh, faster. And I had this fear that, man, one wrong step, you know, and down I go. And I've seen these movies, cowboy shows, whatever, where these guys fall off these logs for their own demise, you know. And I'll tell you what I did <laughs> to overcome that. And one wrong move, and I'd have been dead anyway, so I don't know why I did this. But I thought to myself, all these boys were slowly inching their way across foot in front of the foot in front of the foot. And I said to myself, and this thing was about 12, 14 feet wide. So it wasn't just real wide, but like, you know, shooting a free throw, right? And Laura, you're going to laugh. So I told everybody, I said, get out of the way. 
And they go, what are you going to do? And I said, I'm going to cross this thing. They go, you're going to jump it? And I said, no, I'm not going to jump it. And I just took off running. I was about 11 years old. I took off running as fast as I could, about 40 feet away from this gorge. And I just, I don't know if my feet ever hit that log, but if they did, it didn't tiptoe it. But three or four times I was across. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) because what I said to myself, there's only one way I'm going to convince myself I can do this. And what do you think that is? To do it. You just... I was you just, say, just gotta do it. do it. You know, Nike has the slogan, but you just gotta do it. And folks, yeah. that's all we're saying today for you, our listeners. If you're saying, well, I can't take a new career in this area because I just don't have the skills. Hey, get up, get them and go do it. I can't be a supervisor because I'm just not a great leader. Hey, get up, get some education, get your confidence, go do it. The number one, maybe the number one and two ingredient to defeating any fear is your confidence has to be high, which you can do if you don't listen to all the Nancy naysayers. And you also have to have faith that you can outcome on the other side the way you wish. That's it. This isn't hard That's stuff. It. Yeah. So I'm going to go get simple. a snake. It's going to be a python because they don't bite. They squeeze. And <laughs> they I'm going to get it. Lori to take her picture. We're going to put it on the website with this thing around her neck or whatever. And so I've got one I'm going to put on there. It's a yellow albino python. This thing's about 14 feet long, and I got to put it above my head. Now, it was a little bit weird feeling, real soft, but the head, and I'm trying to show Lori here on the the call, but the head was roughly around probably about six inches wide at the jaws. So, I mean, this was a big snake. And um, when I was at a, a meeting, the Oklahoma Society of CPAs, I was the chair. I thought, how cool it'd be to take my picture with this. And it was cool after I was done. I will tell you, I watched a lot of snake shows <laughs> when I was a kid. And I thought, you know, this thing could turn around and just bite my entire face off. and Nobody could save me. Um, and so I just said, I got to do it. So I got up and I wrapped this snake around. And it was the most gentle of beans. It was heavy. It probably weighed 150 pounds. Hopefully it pounds. had just eaten. Well, you know, it I, it didn't even yawn. I mean, it was just like, who are these boring people? And how much is my master getting paid? Uh, but anyway, right? <laughs> that's right. how I did it. Yeah. Wow. So I'll get you one, Lori, and we'll have you hug a snake. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> okay, I'll get you a snake. Uh, listen, I'll make the deal sweeter. I will get you a nice big snake to hold that's not going to be poisonous. And some undergarments called Depends, because I know you're going to need those probably. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to definitely. Yeah. And you're you're going to need earplugs because I'm probably going to scream so loud that it's, yeah, it's going to be epic level. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) So this week, let's talk about this week's challenge, shall we? Let's do. Okay. So this week, it's critical that you protect your confidence so that you can make decisions that will give you a bigger future and be the best version of yourself you can be. And instead of running away, we're going to practice. We're not going to say that we're going to go guns blazing, but we're going to practice running into the fear because that's the only way that we're going to get better at it. So if you're like me and you didn't start out in life as a runner, I am not ever probably going to qualify as a runner. I was more of a walk jogger then we're going to start slow, but that's the process. If you start at all, you can start slow and work your way up into a jog and then into a sprint and then into a run. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to start because if we don't start, then we can't ever hold ourselves accountable. It's all about starting that process and being confident in what we're running into the feet. 
And I tell you, I actually faced another fear just the other day on Mother's Day, by the way. Oh, on Mother's Day? Yeah, I hugged my mother-in-law. I tell you, it was fearful. Oh. And I will tell you, she, she didn't buy it. She didn't kick me. He's a saint. Yeah, she's a she saint. A I'm saint. telling you. She is a saint. <laughs> hey, everyone. Thanks for joining <laughs> us this week because we got way off topic on some of this stuff. But that's why you listen. We're so original and sincere. We keep it interesting. We do. And we don't script this stuff, folks. It just we happens. Do not. Like... <laughs> that... <laughs> Thank you, Lori, for your great content this week, for joining me. And for everyone out there listening to Live a Life by Design, go to our Facebook page, the Live a Life by Design community. Ask to join the page. Look at all the great stuff we're sharing there as well. And our website at livealifeby.design slash podcast. Lori, take us home. Go out this week and live your life by, by design. design. <laughs> <laughs> you can get a complete transcript of today's show online at livealifeby.design. If you like the show, please tell your friends and family about it. Also, we would be very appreciative if you would leave a review of the show wherever you listen to podcasts. This has been a Life Master Key production. The program is copyrighted by Jimmy J. Williams and Company, all rights reserved. Our production assistant is Amy Cotton. Our intern is Brindley. Brindley.